0: Welcome to Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This is real conversation for real women about real life. I'm your host, Nisi Gale, and I am a personal development and life coach, women's empowerment specialist, and your number one fierce sister. This is episode number seven and the fourth episode in the Get Your Mind Right series. Today, we're talking again to Dr. Tanya Featherston, the happy doctor, about strategies to keep past baggage from affecting our lives today. Dr. Tanya is an educational psychologist with a passion for improving lives. She advocates for social and emotional wellness and is the co-founder and executive director of the Center for Social Emotional Wellness in Baltimore. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this fourth episode in the Get Your Mind Right series. And please support the Grown and Sexy Sisters talk podcast on Podbean. Much love, be blessed, and stay Grown and Sexy Sisters. We'll speak soon. All right, so welcome to Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This is real conversation for real women about real life. And I'm so excited to have on the line with me again Dr. Tanya Featherston, the happy doctor. You always like it when I
1: say that, right? Yes. It sounds just fabulous when you say the happy doctor. I mean, who would not want to be the happy doctor? (laughs) We don't need a happy doctor in our lives. (laughs) We do. It just makes you smile. So yes, everybody should get one if you don't have one already. I'm excited (laughs) to be here. I'm excited uh, to do this again with you. That's great. And so we talked to Dr.
0: Tanya a couple weeks ago, and now we're back on the line with her again. Um, the, the, last time we talked about a little bit about stress management and things like that, but this time we want to go a little bit deeper and we want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart and something that I found out the hard way. And that's how, you know, having uh, past traumatic experiences can come up in your future and cause problems. Mm-hmm. So we haven't figured out what we're going to name it yet, but it's something to the effect of how past trauma is affecting your life today.
1: Mm-hmm. that is sounds that like it, is that, sound- me. Yep, that sounds like the perfect title
0: <laughs> all right so dr tanya for those people who did not listen to the last podcast and get to know you a little bit tell us a little bit about your practice and how it differs from other psychologists
1: okay so i am an educational psychologist and it's a little different in the sense most of the time when people think about psychologists they think only clinical usually um, and so there are a range of different types of psychologists, some that work just in companies, some that do, you know, clinical thing that we're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, some that work specifically in educational institutions. So um, as an educational psychologist, um, we pretty much do the same thing in helping you to improve your lives. But we tend to do it uh, from a perspective of not necessarily um, the kind of talk therapy that we're used to but it is more on an educational side where we often run groups. So we'll do like psychoeducational groups. Um, So it really has um, like a learning component to it where we are going to address um, any challenges and issues that you may have, but we tend to give you tools and strategies that you can go right away. So almost like I consider it to be kind of homework really. Okay. where we're going to give you um, tools and activities and things, strategies that you can walk away using um, to sort of improve whatever that challenge is that you have, whatever that situation is that you have in your life. So that's the kind of educational aspect of it is that, you know, we're going to teach you some things to be able to do to, you know, to help with that issue.
0: Okay. And, that, and that's pretty neat because before I met you, I I'd never heard of, an educational psychologist. So that's a a nice new perspective to bring, um, to the sisters.
1: Yeah, definitely is. Um, I really gravitated to towards it because, um, I came from an educational background, um, being a teacher and a principal. And so just, you know, in myself, uh, having had therapy with people, I always wanted to know, um, almost as soon as I sat down was just, what can I do about this? What, you know, I wasn't interested in medication. I wasn't, I've never been interested in medication on any level really. Yeah. Um, So I really wanted to know like, what can I do? What can you teach me to do to be able to improve my life? Um, and so, you know, as I started to experience it myself, I thought, well, you know, this is a different way to look at, um, psychology that really, again, it's about teaching you tools and strategies.
0: Yeah. I like that. Cause I know a lot of doctors, they go straight to Medicaid. <laughs>
1: right. A lot of, and sometimes it's needed. Um, so, you know, don't get me wrong with that, that there are times, but in, in a lot of times what will happen is that, you know, I'm an advocate for yes, get the medication if that's what you need, but then couple it with the strategies. Cause okay. do both things together Mm -hmm. Um, then you have an even more powerful um, way of making change in your life because sometimes it's not good for us to be on medication, you know, for extremely long periods of time. Right. Sometimes it has all these negative um, and adverse side effects to it. Mm -hmm. And so you want to, you know, while you are doing whatever medication um, that's kind of leveling you out and helping with it, you know, um, on that level, that you are learning some strategies and tools that you can use um, on your own so that if you ever have to get off that medication, you still have those tools and strategies are always gonna be with you.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense, okay. Mm -hmm. So today, we wanna talk a little bit about how situations that happen in our past can affect our future behavior. So talk to us a little bit about that and why is it so important for us to talk about
1: this? Okay. Um, today it's something that is really, um, sort of showing itself, uh, in everywhere in popular media. Um, we have a lot of things going on now with this Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people that have experienced different types of, um, traumatic experiences throughout their lives, but have never said anything about it, have never talked about it now are getting the courage to be able to come forth and actually say, hey, these things have happened to me as well, um, and looking to be able to get some assistance. So, you know, when we talk about um, just who we are as people, I always say we are a collection of um, our past experiences and past events in our lives Mm -hmm. and the effects that those experiences and events have had on us that, you know, if we look at it, you can't go through life without having experienced lots of different things. And so some of those things that we've experienced have had lingering effects on us. And sometimes in ways that we don't really know, and we don't really recognize until someone brings that, you know, to our attention, um, Mm -hmm. especially in the black community. And because we're talking about, you know, black women specifically. Yeah. Um, you know, in the black community, one of the things that for black women that we've been taught to do is to just, you know, to put it aside, put it on a yeah. shelf, get mm-hmm. over it, keep moving, you know, keep it pushing, keep moving, all of those things. Right. And so because we as a culture don't really take the time to stop and deal with things when they happen to us, then it creates, it's just like um, the Erica Badu song that I love so much, Bag Lady. You know, that's what happens is that all this stuff gets stuffed, uh, all these experiences get stuffed in this bag. And the more you carry it, the heavier the bag becomes. And that bag eventually starts to impact our relationships with other people, our, you know, how we work, um, our health. It starts to impact a lot of things if we don't ever stop and take the time to really deal with some of these things that have happened in our lives. So that's why I think it's such an important conversation to have, is because just, you know, historically, as a group of people, we haven't done this. Mm-hmm. And, and for a lot of reasons, you know, um, we haven't done it. Uh, and, and now I think it's time. I think it's, it's coming uh, a time, you know, where people are feeling safe enough to be able to start to talk about some of the things that they've experienced.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that that's why it's really important to me to have these conversations and have the podcast because a lot of the things that like you said we accepted in the past are things that we know now that we have the ability to change if we if we know how to deal with it, we recognize it and we know how to deal with it. So I like that you brought up the Erica Badu because I was thinking about that as I was thinking about what I would say when we talked, you know, I started thinking about wait a minute, this is the this is the baggage, right? So people people Absolutely. can understand, right? Because at first I was like, well, past trauma, it sounds so complicated, but this is the baggage. We all know what that means.
1: Yes, and when you say trauma, most people want to run, you know, out the door. In right. Direction. They're like, oh, no, I'm not talking about that. I don't want to yeah. deal with that. And, you know, uh-huh. I don't have anything to do with that. Yeah. But if you um, really, and I, I think the bag lady piece works perfectly, there's a workshop that I do called The Invisible Backpack. And so a lot of it is related to, um, you know, working with children. But it's that same thing. It's that heavy bag that we're all carrying. It's that invisible bag that you take with you on a date. You know, mm-hmm. that invisible bag that comes to you, comes with you to every family event. Mm-hmm. It's that invisible bag that goes with you to work every day. You know, and we drag it around constantly. Yeah, And, and, and it impacts Uh, the decisions that we make, it impacts how we, you know, um, come off to other people sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Decisions, you know, it just impacts everything in our lives and sometimes we just don't recognize it.
0: Yeah. I like to call it um, in my blog, I called it the angry black woman syndrome Mm -hmm. or like you said, the bag lady syndrome, right? It's like people as black women, we have this stereotype of being angry all the time and but we don't know what's causing that, right? It's not that we just showed up and we're just angry because <laughs> we're just angry because today is a good day to be angry. But exactly. there's a lot of things that, you know, we have suppressed. And because we have the strong black woman syndrome, right. then, you know, we have taken on this facade that we could just kind of deal with everything. We're strong. We got it. I got it. Don't worry. I got to hold it down. I'm strong black woman. I got this. I got this. I got this until you don't got it no more
1: exactly and it's that constant i got this i got this that gets us into that place to where because we've let so many things pile up yeah um and and the thing with um with trauma is that it's not something that can't be overcome. It's not something that can't be um, dealt with, that you can't give yourself um, the tools and strategies that you need to be able to really process those things and really move past those things. But it's that accumulation that makes it even more difficult um, for you to be able to do anything with because if you um, there you know are lots of studies that have taken place now, where they've gone back as far as childhood to look at many of the things. So there's a study um, called the ACEs study mm-hmm. and ACEs just stands for adverse childhood experiences. Okay. And so in this study, they studied adults, but, uh, and it was a, uh, I think it was Kaiser insurance company that did the original study And um, they were looking at sort of why some of the adults that they were seeing in the different practices Mm -hmm. were having so much um, high blood pressure, um, heart disease, you know, those kinds of things. And so Mm -hmm. they started to to go backwards and said, well, okay, let's look at sort of their history and and what's happened to them and kind of what things they've experienced. And so in doing this study, and I think it was like a 17-year study that they did, Mm -hmm. and doing this long-term study, when they went back, they realized that so many of those people who had um, those diseases, cancer being one of them as well, they realized that many of them had um, what they call these adverse childhood experiences that they had experienced. Um, I think most of them either two or more of these adverse childhood experiences. And the Aces, it isn't anything except for trauma. Right. So throughout their childhood, they had experienced um, whether it was physical abuse. Um, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. emotional abuse, but sometimes things that we don't really consider to be trauma. Because when we think of trauma, we think of those kinds of things. Right. Um, but these adverse childhood experiences or traumatic experiences that they had had as children mm. were things like the divorce of a parent. Mm. They were things like um, being the death of a parent um, being, um, raised or in a household with a parent that was suffering from a mental illness. Okay. Um, it was those kinds of things that we don't really categorize those as trauma, but they really are. Right. Um, you know, if you've experienced a lot of community violence, mm-hmm. um, you know, that has a, a very traumatic effect on you, um, you know, in the long-term way, if you're experiencing those kinds of things over and over and over based on where it is that you live. Um, so, so yeah, so there's a lot of different things, um, even natural disasters. And this is one I always mentioned in workshops. Sometimes people don't think that those kinds of things are traumatic, but they are. You think about all the people who have gone through, you know, Hurricane Katrina, um, Harvey, Maria, all of those different natural disasters, mm-hmm. um, that's very traumatic on a person and that is going to have a long-term effect on you or can have a long-term effect on you mm-hmm. if you don't get some assistance in being able to deal with, you know, what happened to you during those things. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm glad that was the next question. And you, you kind of touched on that because, um, I wanted to just kind of list out like you just did, what are some of the things that could be problematic because when we say a past trauma we're Mm -hmm. thinking about you know trauma like shock trauma like you know life or death situations right reality is that all the things you just listed can be traumatic Mm -hmm. and so even as an adult you know things that we may go through like divorce absolutely or you know any kind of a sexual assault or can you just name some more things that
1: Um, homelessness homelessness is considered um you know trauma so even if it was because some people say well i wasn't homeless that long you know it was only for a couple months or it was only but even if it was for a short period of time then that could also you know have a very traumatic effect on you and sort of how you think about things how you process things how you now make decisions you know from that point forward Mm -hmm. um Again, there are, you know, things when you're a child, things that have happened to you, bullying, for example, mm-hmm. can be very traumatic. So, again, you being treated, whether it was physical or whether it was an emotional um, type of, of abuse, um, yeah. you know, that can be very traumatic as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, having parents that are alcoholic parents can yeah, be very, you know, traumatic for a person. Or if you're in a relationship with someone mm-hmm. who is dealing with alcoholism and you've been in that relationship, you know, for a long t- period of time, then that can be traumatic for you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, things like, um, uh, domestic violence, you know, those types of things. That's very traumatic for people. Right. Um, so the list is, you know, it's, it's very long and it's very vast. Um, and usually a lot of times when I do workshops and I list and there's a long list of maybe close to 50 different things Wow. Um, that are on there. And after I go through the list and I ask people, um, you know, if they're okay with it, you know, if they have experienced any one of those things, raise their hand. And almost inevitably, with an audience of two, 300 people, I very often will maybe get one person who will raise their hand to say that they haven't experienced right. any of those things. It's overwhelmingly 90, anywhere from 95 to 99% of the audience mm-hmm. has experienced some of those things you know, that are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you think about it, that makes trauma very real yeah um, it makes trauma a very ordinary um everyday kind of occurrence when you think about it from that and it's not that that um sort of uh really deep um dismal thing that's happened to someone you know it's like again divorce death of parents or death of a a very close you know loved mm-hmm. one in your family like those things are everyday occurrences
0: yeah. Yeah. And I, and I definitely, um, personally went through like five of those things all at one time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) And and my mom passed away and I got separated and divorced and my children with co-parenting, like all of those things happened at one time. But as a strong black woman, it was, I got it. I'm going to keep pushing forward because you know, we don't have time to stop and deal with this stuff. We just got to keep pushing forward but that's not the right answer because it comes back up later.
1: Exactly. And that yeah. that's the type of thing that will lead you towards depression. Yeah. That will lead you towards, you know, having high levels of anxiety and those kinds of things. And In the beginning, we don't really, we don't see it because we're just like, okay, you know, um, I could think of, you know, a similar example when my father passed away, it was like, okay, I'm the one, they always tell me, I'm the one that keeps everybody else together. And again, I can remember my little sister saying, well, you know, she calls me Yoda. And so she's like, you know, Yoda, you can't fall apart. You're the one that keeps everybody else together. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this has been just as traumatic um, for me because it was so sudden, none of us expected it. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of his age, he was still, you know, quite young. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it just, it shocked and surprised all of us. But even with that, it was like, okay, you know, I need to keep myself together because now I have to f- plan a funeral. I have to make sure my mother's okay. I have to make sure, you know, my sisters are okay. My nieces and nephew, you know, all of that. And so we do jump into that mode. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was like right after that, it was like, okay, I have to get back to work. I got a job to do, you know, and I need to do all the things that I need to do for that. Um, and so it just it moves from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. And then later, you may look up a couple two or three years, you know, later, and you're like, what's wrong with me? What's what's going on with me? And that's one of the questions that when you mentioned earlier about the, um, the angry black woman, you know, syndrome and those kinds of things. It's like, yeah. now, if, if the for, you know, everybody that's listening, the one thing I want everybody to remember is when you start to think now about people's behavior um, mm-hmm. and, and why they do some of the things that they do. The question to, a- to ask is not why they do, they're do they doing whatever it is that they're doing. Right. But the question, if you're going to have kind of a trauma-informed um, approach to things now, mm-hmm. is to really say what happened to that person. Yes. So the same thing with, you know, the, quote, angry Black woman. It's like, what's happened to her that's mm-hmm. caused her to be so angry about so many things? Right. Um, same thing, you know, with children, what's happened to them to cause them to behave the way that they're that they're behaving. Um, and if we start to ask that question, as opposed to what's wrong with you? Why are you acting crazy? Why mm. do you know that kind of thing? Simply <laughs> ask the question, what, what, I wonder what happened? Yeah, to that person. Yeah, how take a totally different perspective sometimes on a lot of our behavior.
0: Yeah, I like that, and and after, if, if we continue to have these conversations and normalize this, then that would be the ultimate goal, right? Instead of being like, well, what's wrong with her? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, how can we help? There must be something that's going on because, like I said before, and I, I've said this in a couple of different podcasts, and I'm transparent about it. But you know, I had gotten to a point where I felt like I was just angry all the time, all day, mm-hmm. every day, for no reason. Right. And I, I liken it to spinning out of control, just like a little tornado. And right. I realized, you know, after a while that it couldn't be everybody else that had the problem. It had to have been something going on with me to keep me upset and frustrated and angry all the time. And that's when I started seeking out counseling because I'm like, hold on, something's going on here. And if I don't fix it, then I'm, I'm literally in a dangerous place now because I am like a ticking time bomb but it was because of all these things had gone on and I just kept pushing right. past it because, right. you know, I don't have time to deal with it until it got to a point where it was like explosive, you know? And that's why I think it's important to bring this information to people because
1: surely I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. And no, you're not actually. And that's why I said, you know, it's becoming a thing where it's not that random foreign person you know, that's had this horrible thing happen to them, but it's the majority of us. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's, it's every day it's in your face. Um, You know, we walk by people, um, we live with people, we work with people all day, every day who have had these traumatic experiences. And so many of us have never really dealt with those things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good information. And I'm glad that we are taking um making an effort to be able to recognize that because i think that we would get, like you said give each other a little break if we understood half the stuff that other people have been through like our coworkers and friends then we would be a lot easier on them and be more understanding when they are going through something mhm absolutely we definitely would all right so now how can past traumatic events show up in our lives What's some of the ways we kind of act out
1: okay So um, trauma can manifest itself um, in your life uh, in a number of ways. Sometimes you see it in the relationships that you have with other people. Mm -hmm. So it can show up in your relationships that you have with coworkers, for example. Mm -hmm. So um, if you, you know, I know people who you know, sometimes move from job to job to job. And it's always something wrong with that job. It's always something wrong with the people on that job. Yeah. And you think, okay, every job, like you've had eight jobs and it's been totally <laughs> different people on all of these jobs. And there's been some, some issue, something with all of these jobs. And so sometimes it will show up in our workplace because a lot of times, you know, um, the workplace can be stressful and so if it's, if it's baggage and trauma that you're carrying that you haven't dealt with, then when you get put in stressful situations, that's when it will really show up. Because, um, you know, your body, especially if you've been a person who has experienced multiple traumas or multiples of those adverse childhood experiences that we talked about earlier, then sometimes you can get stuck in that fight or flight mode yeah, where your body um, and your mind just reacts to things in sort of an extreme way. yeah. And so that's a, another way that it shows up is that, you know, it sort of um, takes away at times our ability to sort of stop and pause and think rationally about things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're in that fight mode and you want to, you know, somebody says something to you that might be a little bit out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and other people might kind of look at them and go, Oh, okay, you know, I can't believe you said something like that, or I'm just going to let that go and I'm just going to walk off. Well, you know, if you have experienced multiple traumas, then your mind might instantly feel like that's a severe threat for you. Yeah. And so it feels like you need to fight back. You need to attack because that person is on the attack at you. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one way that it shows up is that we're just we can be, you know, again, very quick to attack other people, very quick um, to respond to things in sort of extreme ways. Okay. Um, so that's one way that you might see it. Other ways you might see it um, in your relationships that you have with, you know, your significant other. Um, sometimes those traumas will show up in you not being able to get as close to a person as you would like to. Okay. Um, you're sabotaging relationships. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of people where things get going really well in a relationship and then they inevitably do something because they feel like something's going to happen. Oh, okay. And so instead of, um, waiting and just seeing, is anything really going to happen? Mm-hmm. You trigger too quick and you make something happen because you just, oh. knew, you know, that something was going to happen. And so again, it's that thinking, one of the things that, you know, trauma really does to us is it really alters the way we think about things. It alters the way we respond,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: to things. So, yeah. you know, traumas like natural disasters, um, just think about, you know, the hurricane and things like that that people just went through recently. Mm-hmm. You know, those kinds of things, if you were in those situations, then, you know, it can make you really skittish about um just normal rainstorms and things like that it can make you skittish about you know your ability to be able to survive and and do the things that you need to do so um so again it, it affects us in so many um different ways mm-hmm. um, the overall thing is it really usually changes the way you think about things mm-hmm. make decisions about things um and the types of relationships how you know um how you're able to have sort of healthy relationships with people.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I definitely can understand. um, And I guess we, we always too, we see situations where, you know, people can get into relationships and then they have issues like over and over and over again. But Mm -hmm. again, it's that baggage is what we brought into it that we didn't deal with before. And so ideally, I guess, you know, being, I guess, like we say, doing the work or being a whole person before you get into a relationship, you know, would be ideal because we do bring so much stuff from our past back into the relationships.
1: Right. And, and just being honest, I think um, really knowing yourself um, and knowing, because I think in, in dealing with so much of this stuff it really starts with that idea of being reflective and being honest and mindful mm-hmm. about these are the experiences that I've had. Right. Cause you know, you can't really share and, and help anybody else understand you and why you respond a certain way, you know, to certain things if you haven't been honest with yourself about why you respond to it, you know, to it in a certain way. So right. it kind of starts with that self-reflection first to say, okay, why is it that whenever somebody because sometimes with trauma, it can even be a smell, it mm. can be a word that somebody uses and right. it instantly triggers you and reminds you of um, you know, that past trauma, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, you're going off about something, and it's, and it's because somebody said something a certain way that reminded you, Mm -hmm. you know, of an experience that you had, and so, so that's kind of where it all begins, is you've got to understand you, and you've got to understand, okay, this is something, you know, when you either do this, or say this, or when I hear people, you know, doing or saying a certain thing, this makes me feel a certain way, I feel unsafe, you know, Mm -hmm. with this, um, this reminds me of this negative experience that I've had. And right. so how do I respond to that? How do I, re- do I really get out of control when there's really no need for me to do that? Mm-hmm. What is it that triggers me? Um, and then how do I react to that? And then once you know that, then that's when you can start to, you know, share with other people that you trust. That's when you, you know, um, can be able to, to make sure that you keep yourself in a safe space. Right. Okay, that that's good
0: information. So what are now let me let me go back cuz I know you have okay. my pre um fabricated questions here. Okay, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> um so is there a relationship between or are we talking about PTSD or is it
1: some kind of correlation? Mm-hmm. So yes, um, because PTSD is uh, just a specific type of trauma. Okay. And, and so it's the disorder that goes with after just like I said, we are sort of a, a culmination of those um experiences and events and then the effects that they've had on us. Right. And so when you think of, you know, post traumatic stress disorder, it's the disorder that you get when you can't um when you keep reliving basically Mm -hmm. that traumatic event or that traumatic experience over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, you get people who have, or are diagnosed with PTSD that have been, um, a lot of the soldiers that are coming back from war, you know, that's something that's hard to detach from. And so reliving that same thing over and over, um, people who are victims of rape that's a difficult thing to, you know, to detach from. And so you keep reliving that over and over. And so that's really what um, PTSD is about, is when you get diagnosed with that, um, it is because you've had these traumatic experiences that you keep reliving. Okay. And the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because a lot of times when you do
0: hear or see in the media um, anything about PTSD, then it, it normally is associated with soldiers at war or... You know, Mm -hmm. first responders, but there's a lot of women out there who suffer from PTSD because of, you know, situations and things that they've gone through in their past and abuse and stuff like that. I wanted to bring that up to 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 kind of normalize the conversation about that too, because I think there's a whole segment of people out there who may be suffering from PTSD, but they think, well, I'm not a soldier, I've not been at war, so that can't be the problem. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. So, that we can understand that there's, there's some correlation of situations that people have gone through other than being in a war or first responder that could show up as PTSD. So, that's another conversation, Dr. Tanya, but I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah,
1: but want definitely, to there's a definite connection. Um, yeah. um, if you've been in a long term um, abusive relationship, mm-hmm. then you absolutely could be suffering from um, PTSD for sure. Yeah. Um, If you live in an extremely violent community where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's constant um, murders, you know, and those kinds of things going on or robberies and and you, again, PTSD, because you're constantly thinking about those things in the back of your mind, you're constantly anxious, you know, and skittish that something may happen to you. Right. um, Yeah. So community violence, there are a lot of people who live in communities that um, are extremely violent who are, you know, living with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. So, what are some
0: of the warning signs that you look for when you're talking uh, with your clients about this?
1: Okay. So, um, again, it goes back to um, that. Uh, I think the easiest thing that I always think about is it's really about sort of how you respond to things. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things I look for is an extreme response to what we might consider a more typical situation um so you know again your co-workers are um you know say something rude to you or they're getting on your nerves or whatever and and you keep quitting jobs because you know these things keep happening okay that's kind of an extreme response right because we all need to work we all need to have a job you know and so it, it 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 says that there's, you know, a lack of coping skills there. Cause we know in every job we've had, there's probably some coworker that we don't get along with very well. <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't make everybody run off and quit the job, you know, because you don't get along with that coworker. So you right. have coping skills to be able to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So that's really one of the first, you know, signs for me is that, you know, when the person is talking to me about you know, um, their life and sort of how they're going through life. I look for, you know, are they really having these extreme responses Okay. to, you know, to what could be a common, you know, type of situation. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that I look for is, um, you know, are you, um, sort of responding to situations that come up in life? Um, The same way, do you have like the same type of a response to most things that happen to you? So an example of this, because again, sometimes when we talk about trauma and things like that, we always want to talk about the person that is outwardly aggressive, Mm -hmm. Um, but trauma can manifest itself um, in a sense of withdrawal too. Okay. And so, you you know, um, sometimes I look at, you know, when they're confronted by, you know, some situation, do they withdraw? do they tend to um, disconnect from people um, and want to go off and be, you know, by themselves, you know, those kinds of things, that can be an indication that that person has had some past traumas in their lives. um, And that's their way of coping with it is to just disconnect is to withdraw. um, And that way, you know, it puts them, they think they're putting themselves in a safer space because they're disconnecting and withdrawing from, um, you know, from the world and from people around them. Okay. So those are a couple. So if you tend to respond, um, again, to things in an extreme kind of way, or you tend to have a... Uh, a kind of one size fits all response to things where it's like no matter if somebody is aggressive towards you, you withdraw. If somebody, you know, wants to get too close to you, you withdraw. If withdrawing is just your answer, you know, to everything and you have that kind of one size fits all response, Mm -hmm. that could be an indication um, as well. One of the easiest things that you can do is there's a list of um, that list of like 50 traumatic e- experiences and events that I have. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's as simple as just letting people see that list and just asking people. Cause again, a lot of what I do is, is on the educational side. And so it's like teaching you what trauma is. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you look at this list and you just see, you know, do you recall any of these things happening to you? How many of these things circle, you know, the number of these things that have happened to you and then that can kind of start to, to move you in a direction of saying, wow, you know, out of these 50 things, just like you said, there's five or six of these things that I've experienced or I experienced five or six of these things in a row. Right. And so then that starts to open you up to being a little bit more um, self-reflective just about, you know, again, what you've experienced. And then the next step is, okay, so how are those things impacting you? Because they always have some sort of effect on you. And so then the question is, yes, we've experienced these things, but how have they, you know, impacted us? Sometimes we um, have enough resilience where we can move on from that thing. And we have, you know, done some work on it. We've processed it um, and we've been able to move on from it. And then there may be some of those other things where we weren't as able to, to be able to move on from them.
0: Okay. All right. Good. So now is there anything that we can do to heal ourselves
1: from past trauma? Definitely. So, um, again, I think it, you know, that first thing is that self-reflection piece of, you know, um, just being honest with yourself first about what you have experienced. I think that that's where it starts, um, for most people. Um, again, the second piece of that self-reflection is knowing what your triggers are, knowing the things that trigger you, because that's going to help tremendously. If you know, you know, that you tend to get really angry or overly angry about things, if you, you know, you see it in road rage, you see it in, you know, cutting people off and or wanting to chase people down and things like that. (laughs) You know, I've worked with people where sometimes again, it's like, it's not always what they say to me, but it's, you know, I worked with a client once where she was like, it's how they say it right Um, they say things to me in a certain way another person could say the exact same thing Mm -hmm. um, and she would be okay with it but because of how people and so it's like what is it about um you know how that person says it that really triggers you because you gotta figure it out um because you can't change how other people are always going to talk to you Mm -hmm. you can change your response to that Right. And so the work is in you figuring out what is it about, you know, how that person says that, that triggers me. Um, And then you either have to make a couple of decisions because again, it's not about changing that other person, but it's about you saying, okay, do I just need to spend less time around this person Mm -hmm. because of the way they, they talk to me that, you know, tends to trigger me, or do I need to have a conversation with this person about how they talk to me and how I'm perceiving what it is that they're saying to me. Right. Um, So again, it's knowing those things, you know, that trigger you so that then you can make decisions about can you change it or can you avoid it? You know, is there some, can you change your thinking about it? So those are usually the three ways Mm -hmm. um, with a trigger is that you either can change, you know, that trigger itself, remove it in some kind of way. If it can't be removed, can you um, avoid it? in some kind of a way, and then if avoidance, you know, isn't an option either, then can you change if you have to be, you know, um, in that environment with whatever that is that's triggering you, Mm -hmm. then can you change your way of thinking about, you know, that particular thing? Mm -hmm. So that's the main thing, and then the second thing is um, what I always say is developing those coping skills, and Mm -hmm. developing, because again, we can't eliminate everything, And so it's, it's developing healthy coping and social and emotional skills that's going to allow us to be able to deal with the challenges, you know, that we face in life. Um, So I think so much of this goes, you know, to that because, you know, one of the things with therapy and I think why people shy away from it sometimes is that it's like, I can't go back and change the past. I can't go back and change, and you can't. You absolutely can't go back and change the past. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is give yourself some specific skills in being able to deal with right. those things that have happened to you in the past. Right.
0: And, and I like that you said that too, because, you know, as a person who's gone to therapy for a while, you know, it's, it's not about changing what happened in the past, but it's sometimes about acknowledging what happened in the past. And like mm-hmm. you said, learning ways to deal with it because you can't, live a healthy life if you continue to kind of suppress all of the things that happen and and run away from them and don't deal with them because like in my situation they will come up and they will hit you hard (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah yeah and then you find yourself in a situation like oh my gosh i should have dealt with this a long time ago but The reality is that, you know, a lot of people just don't know, like we, this is not information that, you know, we get from anywhere, you know, this is, for me, I have this information because I've gone through it. And once Mm -hmm. I started to go through it, I'm like, okay, I need to understand I'm a learning person and I like to do research. So I start to like read more about it and research because I want to understand what this thing is and why I'm going through it. But this is not information that is made readily available to us, you know, and so, my purpose in having this conversation with you is to try to help some people kind of recognize that, okay, there may be something, you know, this isn't just, you know, just a thing that I'm going through, but this is something that I can acknowledge. I can work on. I can go get some help with and Basically. I don't have to live this way. I can, I can make changes so that I don't have to live this way. We don't have to live, you know, stressed out, out of control, angry, mad all the time. We don't have to live that way. And so that's why I think it's really important to have these kinds of conversations.
1: Definitely so. And there are, you know, strategies if these things that have happened to you in your life, if they manifest themselves by you being overly angry about things, then there are specific strategies that you can use to be able to manage that anger. Right. Um, Because we all get angry about things, but it's all about what you do with that anger. Mm -hmm. Um, If it, you know, manifests itself as anxiety and it makes you really anxious about things and really, you know, constantly worrying about things. Mm -hmm. Then there are specific strategies and tools that you can use to be able to calm your mind and manage that level of anxiety, you know, that you may have. Um, the same thing with disconnecting, you know, from people, um, if that's how it manifests itself. So, you know, again, it's, it's all about, um, you know, really us seeking and and sharing those tools and strategies, whether it's journaling, whether it's, you know, learning specific breathing techniques, um, whether it is, um, you know, going through specific activities around, um, you know, learning how to regulate your emotions and control um, certain emotions that you have, Mm -hmm. Uh, joining a peer support group so that you know that one, you're not in it by yourself. You're not the only one. Um, Because sometimes just the mere knowing and having a safe space where you can actually talk about this stuff um, and and hear other people's stories sometimes can be very, you know, helpful and cathartic to you Mm -hmm. um, just because you know, wow, I'm not the only one who thinks this way about this. I'm not the only one who has experienced this hmm I like that. And this is, this is our very big giant open peer support group. Absolutely. And I, <laughs> I'm all about the virtual ones because I think that they are, that they can be very helpful. Yeah. And, um, and you can create that safe space online really yeah. where, you know, any of the ladies who are listening, um, even if you do it, I'm, I'm considering doing some, um, some zoom online stress management groups, to yeah. where we can all still see each other, but we're all, you know, talking and kind of sharing about, you know, the things, the challenges that we have in life and sort of how we're managing those things mm-hmm. and um, and being able to share, you know, tools and strategies. So, yeah, I think the online space is beautiful This for this because so many people don't want to go sit in a room mm-hmm. with a bunch of people face to face. They just yeah. want to do it. But yeah. they can do something like this for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Good stuff. So we're on the right track. Yay. <laughs> we are <laughs> for sure. All right. So, uh, so you mentioned a couple resources So we're going to wrap it up here, but you, you mentioned a couple resources. Um, are there any resources available to help us if we find ourselves in this situation? What are some of the things we can do?
1: Um, so again, there are, um, you know, lots of resources. If, um, I would say, you know, Google is kind of your best friend between that and and YouTube in some ways. Yeah. Um, That, you know, if you are, I would say first to do some writing, do some journaling, do some some self-reflection. And one of the things that I can do... um, is to share some exercises on self-reflection um, that people can put up so we can figure out like where we want to put these up so that people can access them. Okay. Because it really starts, you know, with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, after you do that self-reflection then, because it takes that to kind of start to figure out um, what is my trigger, you know, what am I, uh, how am I responding to this to yeah. know whether it is that you need tools on anger management, you need tools on anxiety, uh, and worry you need tools on, on fear because some of this you know these things can make you very fearful mm-hmm. and it paralyzes you and keeps you from moving and people say mm-hmm. you know I want to do all these things but I just can't you know find the will to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, sometimes again it's those past events that mm-hmm. will you up and keep you from being able to move forward and do the things you want to do in life yeah um, on the therapy side because we have talked so much um, about just trauma itself um I actually found a great re- resource today um and I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget. Okay. It's a site that's a portal for um for black therapists. So it's it's called therapyforblackgirls.com. And I I know I, I totally love the site. I love that. Um yes because I was like now that is so specific. And so yeah. the I think it's Dr. Joy who started it. Um uh, mm-hmm but it's pretty much a portal. So you can go in, look up your state. Um, and from what I saw just from looking at it today, and and the reason why it came, um, into sort of my field of view was because I was looking at some things with the me too movement. Mm -hmm. And one of the things with that is that, you know, you have so many people who are now finding the courage to step forward and to say, you know, I've experienced these things. And so when people have the courage to do that, you don't want to just leave them hanging. Sure. You know, if if therapy is the direction that they want to go, sometimes, you know, people always say, well, I can't find somebody that looks like me. I can't find somebody that I can really connect with. Right. And so, you know, this whole portal was built just for that reason. Um, So I think that that's a good resource if you want to connect with a therapist. Um, if you want more of a support group and the educational exercises and those kinds of things, then, um, you can also check out, you know, my website, ask Dr. Con- Dr. Okay. Um, and like I said, we will, I'll get with you and we can figure out, um, a way to get up some of these exercises and things like that. Cause I think a lot of the tools, um, that we use in educational psychology can be really helpful for helping people to start themselves on that path of yeah. figuring out um, you know, some strategies and some tools and things that they can use.
0: Okay, awesome. And so now, you just mentioned the website, but what are some other ways that, if there's any ladies listening and they wanna reach out to you, if they have questions or, or need some resources, how can they reach you?
1: Mm-hmm. They can reach me through um, email, if they wanna send a personal email. So it's a similar email. It's ask Dr. at gmail.com. So they can reach me that way. I'll even give my phone number. I don't have a problem with giving out my phone number. Okay. Um, <laughs> so my phone number is 443-768-4108. Okay. Uh, so you can send me a call you get text message. Uh, I do all of it. And uh, the thing with me is if I um, after having a conversation with you, and this is one of the things I want to make sure I leave the ladies with, is after having a conversation with you, if I feel like I specifically can't help you with what you have going on, I will definitely guide you to someone who can. And okay. so, not that you know, I you know, a lot of times people will say I call somebody and they just said, oh, I can't help you, and then that was it yeah you know one of my biggest goals is to be a resource to people yeah um, and so like I said if I don't feel like um, you know I'm what I do is a fit for you then I definitely will you know make referrals and things like that um, to try to point you in the direction and to directly connect you with someone who can uh, assist you with it
0: yeah because I, I know that happens a lot of times and people will get discouraged if yes. you know it takes a lot to get up the courage to even call Dr. Tanya but exactly, then you know it does. right and then if she can't help you and be like oh I can't help you then it's like uh some people get deflated I know I've personally done that in the past and mm-hmm. let that be an obstacle so I'm glad that you um you know are open enough to be able to say hey you know this isn't kind of what I do but let me give you some help or put you in the right direction
1: absolutely i think that we all have to do that um because i experienced that same thing when the first time i looked for a therapist and i remember that first phone call and she's like no oh, i'm booked up and i was like oh okay well that's and you know and it took me a week to make the phone call yeah um, and then it was like oh she's booked up now what i and so i had to start all over and i didn't quit but the thing was i know that some people might and yeah. so you know um just know that again, I think for, you know, you and I both, we seek to be resources, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the women in our community. So like I said, yeah. if I don't know. I know some people who do know. Okay. <laughs> we'll get you connected with somebody who can help for sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you once again. I'm
0: so thankful that you take out your time to get on this podcast with me. So blessed to have you to be a part of the movement to just try to bring this good information to women. I know there's so many women out there that could use the help and they don't know what direction to turn in, but hopefully we can be, you know, a blessing and be able to help people and be a resource and point them in the right direction and help them, you know, with some of their baggage. I'm using the air quotes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, thank you so much, Dr.
1: Tanya. I really appreciate you. Well, you are welcome. I'm always excited to come and serve the women in your community.
0: Thank you so much. So we'll be speaking soon. I'm sure I'll come up with some other topic that you can help me with. So there'll be a part three probably. But
1: do. I'm thinking about some things myself. So we'll have to talk offline to see what else we can get into together.
0: (laughs) All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Okay, ladies. You have just reached the end of another episode of Grown and Sexy Sisters Talk. This was real conversation for real women about real life. I really hope you enjoyed our talk and I have a little homework for you. First, I want you to go to my website, AH.com to sign up for my newsletter. On there, you can also read my blog, find valuable free resources, schedule a coaching session, or just check out some upcoming events. Second, I want you to subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on iTunes or Google Play you don't want to miss out on one single episode. So that's going to be really important. And third, check me out on YouTube. You can type in grown and sexy sister with an A H in the search bar and make sure to subscribe there as well. I want you to be able to see the amazing video recordings of these podcasts there. So much love, be blessed, stay grown and sexy sisters, and we'll speak soon.